this side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll along. Hey, welcome in. Lots of good feedback. Our friend Weston Guitar Taylor there with our new intro. Trying to pick up the outro. We'll get to that in in due time. But for this time, I'm glad you're joining us at this time as we roll along here on the other side of Texas. I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson. We are broadcasting from the racer car wash studios racer car wash voted lubbock's best wash five years running stop into one of five convenient locations across hub city for the best wash around guaranteed when this ice storm is done uh, the snow apocalypse coming to the high plains from the panhandle down to the cap rock and when it's all done gonna go into Race your car wash, jump in that VIP line, and uh, get the Tundra, make the Tundra look great again. So we're going to do a, um, a good show for you coming up. Chris Level, Red Raider Sports, going to talk about Texas Tech football, the hire, Level's thoughts on that, some insider from the king of RedRaiderSports.com, and then one of the kings of uh, investigative reporting in Texas on the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission, the TABC, is going to get with us here about 35 minutes from now as we listen on live radio a little bit sooner if you're listening to this afterwards on the podcast. Always surprised how many people listen to the podcast on the weekends. Uh, a big a big time for podcasts and whenever you listen just glad that you listen and that you hang out here for the news views and issues as we rave along in a way that i think's unique and makes the program unique and just grin ear to ear that you're here with us tomorrow have a likely probably very very likely a special guest uh, be watching our social media at Other Side of Texas. Uh, I'm sorry, at OSTX Show there on Twitter and Other Side of Texas on Facebook. Special guest tomorrow on the program who you'll very, very likely really enjoy him getting behind these microphones and listening to what he has to say. But first, ladies and gentlemen, Let's go to big news, and big news pertaining to this program, yours truly, and uh, your reading ability. Fire it up. Ladies and gentlemen, sources close to Jay Leeson, very high-level sources, say that Jay Leeson will begin to write Sunday columns in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and the Amarillo Globe News. That column will be carried in both publications, and that could begin very soon. Um, and I can tell you, based on sourcing close to myself, the sourcing being myself, that that is the case uh just signed off an agreement today 
to uh, write for the Avalanche Journal and the Globe News. And i got to tell you, somebody who grew up here, and grew up in Hell County, so not quite the panhandle, but still a, a Pete Laney guy, uh, somebody who feels very connected to the panhandle as well as the Caprock, which I qualify Hell County and, and Lubbock to be definitely Lubbock to be Caprock, a, a really different feel in Lubbock than Amarillo. Hey man, I'm just glad to be a part of the show and um, to grow up and to um, do the journalism degree and to take off and to have fun with you with Rager Gate and Regent Gate and just to see what that develops into and to have, I'll never forget in the fourth grade, I got a uh, paperback from my teacher who just happened to be a great woman and uh, happened to have the name Mrs. Titsworth was her name and uh, but she said something to me in a paper I got back and she said you have it had a 100 and then below it you have a real knack for writing and I'll never forget that and you know just a little PSA little kids remember things and they remember things for the good and the bad and it's never too late to be kind to a child and to point out their gifting and uh, some would say I'm not gifted in writing especially those who don't like what I like to say people who are West Texacans don't like what I have to say but West Texacans do and uh, you can expect to see me there on those pages with my uh, less than handsome mugshot and uh, did you see by the way retailers are beginning to uh, put out mannequins with dad bellies to give you a real idea of what you'll look like in those it just i saw that today and kind of piqued my interest uh but for now um you can expect me what we're going to do is we're going to start out and this is going to lead to anonymous mailbag in the last segment of the show got a lot of heat last night at the texas tech game that folks listened on air and uh noticed that i turned the show off early because we wanted to make the tech game as a family and uh, some folks didn't appreciate that i have more to say about that but uh, put a lot of emphasis on my family and my home right now the kids are one just turned five nine nine the twins are nine and uh, an 11 year old so gonna just start on a bi-monthly basis on every other sunday is when you can expect to uh, read me in either of those publications and i'm really looking forward to it i think the first piece that we're going to put up looking through my notes here yeah the first two are going to be one is going to be on how the state turned amarillo didn't turn purple turned amarillo if you go and you look through election results, you'll find that Amarillo may well have the best. I always say Texas government is the most influential form of government in folks' day-to-day lives. I cannot think of a place, a re, an area, 
that has a better delegation than Amarillo with John Smithy, with Ken King, with Four Price, all state representatives, and State Senator Kel Seliger. Um, great acumen, uh, very competent politicians who put their hands to the plow and take care of practical policy. There are a lot of places where that differs from. Um, but I think what you saw in election returns, and that'll be the first column, is the state turned out to be a play on the word Amarillo, Amarillo. Uh, that's the shading of the state right now. Where there were competent, they could be left-to-center, right-to-center politicians, but where they proved themselves to be competent, they won. Even down in Harris County, what that all turned blue except for two state representative seats. Um, and even the statewides counted on votes from rural Texas, from other sides of Texas. So I think that we're in the driver's seat is uh, other side of Texans uh, as to what policy gets put up by statewide Republicans. Um, without us, they wouldn't be there. And so I want to help lead the charge with some others, like my friend Brandon Darby, to say, you're there because of us so don't you put up legislation that's against our interests i think that that makes a whole lot of sense um the other piece that needs to be written is and i've already have it in in rough draft governor abbott has some decisions to make and i don't envy his position on a lot one that that I do envy is his reappointment of former Texas Tech Board of Regents Chair Rick Francis. Rick Francis should not be reappointed, and he should not be in a position, if you listen to the program, you know that if he doesn't reappoint Rick Francis, but also doesn't name anybody to step in for Rick Francis, that Rick Francis, who was the number one obstacle to the vet school no no doubt about it the number one obstacle based on his interests and his own financial interests for a dental school in El Paso uh, if he doesn't reappoint he doesn't name somebody to step in for Rick Francis Rick Francis automatically stays on the Board of Regents for two more years and that's problematic to have Rick Francis around in the next legislature I think that Tech is beyond able to put up the dental school in El Paso, take care of that, and to take care of the vet school. And to do so without Rick Francis. So um, the, there, one column will be on Amarillo, the next column, and it's also intriguing to see, will Greg Abbott take money from El Paso because there's a whole heck of a lot of money in El Paso or will he take the votes the votes by which he was re-elected in Amarillo and the Panhandle that's all intriguing to watch but just wanted to break the news with you firsthand that uh, you can see me Jay West Texas Lisa in your Lubbock Avalanche Journal 
and Amarillo Globe News. And glad to be in the show. Doug Hensley brought me aboard, and I think that AJ made a star-studded hire with Doug Hensley to run that editorial board. Uh, Looking forward to all that's ahead. I'm a big fan of local journalism, a big advocate for where I live, and uh, newspapers are a big part of that. A big part of Texas Tech Athletics, Chris Level, get his takes coming up right here on the show. Going to step out about 90 seconds, be right with you, right back with you, right here on the other side of Texas. that old red river, this is what I saw. I saw miles miles of Texas, all the stars up in the sky. One of my favorites is Chris Level, and uh, he heads up RedRaiderSports.com. Did an interview, it's pre-recorded, and I just want to apologize ahead of time. It's a little bit choppy as it starts off, but stick with us through the first minute, and you'll get a lot of insights. I know that we have a lot of folks who listen to the show in Dallas and Houston uh, Austin, uh, Texas Tech alumni who are interested in hearing from Level, and that's why we bring it to you, because we study the analytics. We want to bring the people what they want. Uh, this recording happened earlier today. It is a little bit choppy in the first minute, but stick with us uh, with Chris Level right here on the other side of Texas. He is our guy, Chris Level, Red Raider Sports. That's where I go hang out. You can find me at Leeson TTU there, um, talking about Red Raider Sports, getting the first insights there with RedRaiderSports.com. How are you doing, Chris Level? I'm doing good. I am uh, doing good. Been a uh, been a crazy last uh, couple of weeks around here, huh? Especially the last week. You were with us last <laughs> Thursday, and you were flying out to Miami. It looked like the trends were that Matt Wells would be named football coach, and uh, surely he was. And Keith Patterson comes along with him, defensive coordinator David Yost, uh, who I've had much to say about on this program, pretty fascinated by David Yost, joined him as well. Uh, level Tell us for real, when did you know? When did you know that it was going to be Matt Wells? <laughs> oh, well, uh, let me think. Um, I think I probably knew or had a – because, you know, it's one of those deals where you never, you're never totally sure until, like, a school sends out a release and says, okay, we've officially announced this. And then we've seen – there's been odd situations before where, like, Somebody will even come in the next day and go, you know what, I had a change of heart. I'm not going to take this job or whatever. But I had a pretty good feeling, I guess, that Thursday morning. That was just It was just all pointing in one direction. And you, you got a pretty good indication on Wednesday, and it was just even stronger on uh, on Thursday morning. And it just was pretty apparent that they were really far down the road with uh, with Matt Wells as a candidate. And you start, you start talking contract and – all of those things, and uh, and I think that's uh, that's obviously what ended up happening. But uh, probably, I guess I felt pretty good about that on Thursday morning. Is that whenever you mention Wednesday, do you mean his coaches show there on ninety seven point three in Lubbock? 
or the an athletic director's show. Oh, Kurt Kirby Hocutt. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. He he was. Uh, yeah, Kurt Kirby had a, obviously a, a show last Wednesday. Obviously, had one yesterday. And I think at the time uh, he had just said they were in the middle of the search and still kind of identifying candidates and and, and those kinds of things. But it, 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 I guess my point is on that afternoon is when I started to get pretty good information that was just kind of pointing in one direction and it was solidified Thursday morning when it was just like, it, it just all pointed the same way. Um, but again, you got to be careful when you start trying to follow this stuff because just because it's all pointing one way does not mean that's what's going to end up happening. But that's uh, in this case that, that that's, that's obviously what happened, but uh, you know, you, you never want to get, get caught in a bad spot by just not, not, checking out the story and vetting it and all those kinds of things yeah let's talk about one way i know a lot of alumni listen to this program throughout the state you know i think a a lot of us and by a lot of us i'm raising my hand saying me uh, whenever kirby hocutt was asked by the don williams of the avalanche journal how many people did you interview face to face and he said three my eyebrows shot up and thought three wow but one of those three was Matt Wells. It seems to me, it just seems to me, Chris Level, that he had his guy. He always knew his guy was going to be, and it was going to be Matt Wells. You concur with that? Do you feel like you've got information that says, well, he was looking in two or three different directions? Oh, I, th- I think, I think, uh, Jay, I think you make a great point. I think that, um, I think that if Kirby was going to get into a coaching search, I think it's pretty clear now that Matt Wells was going to be heavily involved. And I think once. Once that meeting took place with President Skubinick and Tony Hernandez and, uh, and Kirby Hocutt, I think Matt Wells set the bar pretty high. And so it was, you know, because I, I, I believe that Jim Levitt and Seth Luttrell were the other two that were talked to. Wow. I know Neil, I know Neil Brown was talked to on the phone. Um, I don't think that they ever, like Dana and, and, and Kirby ever ended up hooking up and talking. I think he talked to Bob Stoops, uh, not just about this job, but about, other candidates too i think that's that's fair is i think a stoops is a really good resource from his time at oklahoma whenever he's there and under joe castiglione when, when kirby was there years and years ago but um but that but, but i think i think matt wells was just always going to be heavily factored in and that's one of the first things that that we tossed out uh when we found out that one sunday after the baylor game that, that kirby was in fact going to move on from coach kingsbury Jim Levitt and, and Matt Wells were just two names that I think stayed uh, stayed in the mix until this thing was over. Yeah, you threw it out there at Red Raider Sports with Chris Level. He brings with him David Yost and Keith Patterson. Patterson on the defensive side, Yost on the offensive side. Let's start with Yost because I love Yost. To tell us, tell listeners what they need to know about their new offensive coordinator. You know, he's coached a lot of uh, football. Um, this is not anybody that's just getting into this. I mean, he's, he's been around a long time. And fans may remember, uh, you know, Black, Blaine Gabbard and Brad Smith and a lot of these guys at University of Missouri. Uh, Coach Yost was there. He obviously spent a lot of time with, with Coach uh, Leach up at Washington State, I think a couple of years up there. Uh, so he knows Clay McGuire, who was on the previous staff. There's just some, you know, some – and I think they he does it. Coach Yost does it a little bit differently as far as uh, – what he runs they will be up tempo um but i think he's done a great job with quarterbacks and and i think they'll use a tight end a lot more than what is you know, people are used to around here 
you started to see Cliff, I think, started to use more of a tight end, kind of a fullback, kind of a hybrid position. But I think uh, Coach Yost will, will really commit to getting and, and, and recruiting, uh, you know, the tight end position uh, heavily and, and, and leaning on it. So, uh, but there'll be some similarities. Uh, but, but yeah, he, he certainly – well respected in the game from a from an offensive standpoint there's no doubt about that yeah and so with patterson uh so coach patterson you know obviously he spent some time at west virginia uh that they you know he, he was on the staff uh whenever they were uh they came in and uh coach tuberville was still here he's been at arizona state um he's been at Pitt, so he's been he's been in power five leagues before because a lot of people ask me well, man, you bring all these guys in like they, they know what it's supposed to look like at the Power Five. Uh, that one, I mean, most of these guys have been at at various Power Five jobs. They they know what big time football and big time players look like and what it's supposed to look like and all those things. But you know, Coach Patterson will, will mainly run a a multiple like look up front. It, it, he, I think he kind of just says it's about like a three three five. However, I think you know you may see them with a four down front sometimes. Sometimes it'll be a three man front. You just and, and, and I think the thing about Coach Patterson and Coach Yost is when you have coordinators and you run a, you want to run a certain style of offense, like like a fast-paced one, you've you got to have some understanding on the defensive side. One, this is how we're going to practice, and this is kind of what we need on the defensive side because it's kind of like there's a yin and yang part of this deal. you got to be able to work together and, and, and run the program a certain way. There's got to be a, a certain level of understanding so you're not – so nobody feels like you're leaving the other guy hung out to dry, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so when you go up tempo, like like these offenses are doing, you, you got to have a, a level of understanding with the guy on defense because it, it can put that side of the ball and that guy that's coaching that in a bad spot if, if you don't, again, have a level of understanding. But, uh, um, you know, Coach Patterson's already been able to get Nelson and Banasaur, who was going to transfer, uh, get him to stay on board. It was a, a pretty good defensive lineman that was looking to transfer. And so – yeah, he's very well respected too, and like I said, he's been at uh, been at some of these places. So uh, that that's kind of what uh, Coach Wells is bringing in here. And I went to the presser and uh, sat there and listened to Wells. There are lots of things to be impressed by, but I think the thing that really rung true with me is just as a general philosophy in life, especially with my own kids, I always say I want to be high support, high challenge. And he said, you know, we're going to love them and we're going to push them. That's what we're going to do. And I think that probably stuck out to Kirby, and that probably stuck out to Scubinet. Well, what's how, how does Coach Beard run his program? Yeah. Because it's, it, it, it's, it's, yeah. Exact, it's exactly – I mean, you, you will see Coach Beard get on to one of his guys as rough as, like, say, Bob Knight would, okay? However, five minutes later or the next day, I mean, they're they're laughing. They are – having as much fun as it was serious in that moment the day before. But that's just kind of how Beard operates the thing, and I think that's what you see some comparisons that Kirby was able to draw from Coach Beard and Coach Tadlock that, you know, hey, this is kind of what I feel like I'm seeing here. And, and you got to be able to coach kids hard. And, and, and the, this day and age, it makes us sound old when we start talking about that. But kids these days, I mean, you know, like when you sports, I mean, when the tough gets going, they just like either want to quit or they're like, I, I don't like this team or this coach. He yelled at me or he got on to me. I'm, I'm going to bail out and just go somewhere where I can play more or somebody won't yell at me or whatever. But um, you, you gotta you gotta coach hard, but you gotta love love them up hard too. And I think there that's that's a great point you make. Let's switch over to Beard. I appreciate you saying that level. 
feels good whenever you do a radio program. Somebody says that you made a good point. Uh, you don't hear that very often. Uh, let's switch over to Coach Beard in that basketball team. You sit there, you do the play-by-play. Uh, we're 13 now and just beat Pine Bluff last night as we speak. 9,500 fans there. Pretty weird, actually, to see so many people in the house. Six Leasons were in the house, but so many folks in the house for – I want to call them preseason games, but pre-conference games. Um, what are the, some trends that you're seeing come together with this basketball team? Well, th- this this team is elite defensively, uh, much earlier than anybody would have would have anticipated, and that's that's in some level it's it's pretty shocking um, because you got a lot of new pieces, and he's got these grad transfers, uh, you know, and Matt Mooney and Tariq Owens, and he's got. Kyler Edwards and Deshaun Corpru, who's a you know that's a high school kid, and then you get a junior college transfer that's come in, and he's just gotten um, that. That's the beauty of of their machine and their process, if you will, is that they've gotten these kids on the same page and playing team defense so well so early. And last night, for example, I mean the, the shots aren't falling. You're not very good at the free throw line. You, you turn it over a little bit too much. But you just you just keep grinding away defensively, and th- th- they had a young man by the name of Martavius McKnight who went for 27 points uh, for Pine Bluff, and he was one of the better players on the floor, and he still got his, but nobody else really did any damage at all for uh, the Golden Lions. And it, again, it just been, this is kind of the body of work that we've seen with this basketball team is they just play really, really good defense. I mean, that's just, and if you don't, you, you're not going to get much playing time. So that's what. That's what is really, uh, I think, trending in the right direction. And I mean, they're holding teams to shooting 33% from the field on average. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's that's pretty darn special. And that's tops in the country, Jay. I mean, there's nobody in the country that's been better uh, than that to this point. Wow. So defense wins championships is what I'm hearing you saying on on the hardwood. Uh, what was impressive to me last night, watching it level, was that we had three consecutive possessions where Tariq Owens got alley-oops on two and then we got an and one and just whenever we finally got rolling on offense whenever we got into a good groove consistently scoring Beard pulls them all out and puts in the guys which I guess is kind of the point of pre-conference games is to see what your depth has but he could have won my point is what we won by some 20 points or something he could have won by 40 50 maybe maybe if he kept them all in to the end. Uh, and maybe that would have looked a lot better to some folks, but Beard went ahead and pulled him like he has a plan. Maybe he does have a plan. Well, I think what he would tell you is, you know, because you're up 25 at the time and you feel like the game is in hand and you want to get some guys some playing time because there may be there may be games later on in the season where it's just it's not going to be possible to get more than eight or nine guys in a game. You know, it's just too tight and it's just too – uh, you know, the, the games are too important and you just can't risk, uh, you know, a guy going and making a mistake and, and all those things. But I think that, you know, Co- Coach Coach Beard would say that, that there's a level of responsibility for those starter-type guys in a game like last night to to make sure that they, they do their part so some of their teammates can get some playing time too. And I think that's kind of, at that point, that's kind of what he was talking about is, you know, that they had done their part to get it up to 25. But he did. He stuck with them and they kind of gave some of that lead back a little bit. Didn't play great, but Chris, he stuck with him. He didn't, uh, you know, you finished out the game with essentially all reserves for the last, I don't know, it was about the last seven to eight minutes of the game, it felt like. And um, But that's, you're right, that those minutes are valuable and, and they'll, they'll pay off at times if you ever need one of those guys 
because of foul trouble or injury or, or you just never know. So um, mm-hmm. that's uh, – yeah, there's always a plan with uh, with Coach Beard, certainly. So let's talk about one of those guys, and let's bring Yost in, back into the mix for just a moment. Mike Gundy has <laughs> long reigned supreme with best hair in the Big 12. If David Yost, and I think he has surpassed Mike Gundy as best hair in the Big 12 now, if uh, Yost weren't there, you'd have to make an argument for Avery Benson, my new favorite Red Raider. Tell us about Avery <laughs> Benson coming in and getting some of those late minutes. The mullet man. Yeah, right? yeah, that's right. Yeah, A, a- B. Uh, he, he, you know, he actually. So Avery, he was going to go play for Coach Beard at, at Little Rock. Uh, had had Coach stayed there, and so Avery actually turned down several D one scholarships to follow Coach Beard here. And Coach Beard is like, man, I, I don't have a scholarship for you here. I, I want you here though, if you want to, you know, all of those kinds of things. And he's just, uh, he, he's he's tough. He's got a great personality. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan. He was very – I will tell you, and I'll, I'll send you uh, – after this interview is over, Jay, I'm going to send you a picture that uh, Avery had me uh, take of him of that fancy new haircut on, on the beach last week in Miami. He was very proud of that uh, that mullet haircut. With and the, uh, and the, it, Almost a handlebar mustache too, right? Correct. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. And so he's very, he's very proud of it. And so – but uh, he's just – He's just one of those guys. He's a great program guy. You know, he, he practices, he busts his rear end every single day. He can play. Okay, make no mistake. I mean, he, he's a lefty, but he, he he can play. And he's not somebody that's some end of the bench, walk on, we felt sorry for him, let's get him. No, he, he's earned the right to play some. Parker Hicks is the same way. Andrew Sorrells is, is, is uh, another one. And so, but, but yeah, Avery is, uh, like I said, his personality is kind of what makes him such a fit in this program because uh you know like i said he could be somewhere else and playing at a, at a lower level or a smaller school and and start or play a lot and all that but but he wants to he wants to play on a bigger stage and he's grinding away at it hey folks uh what we don't see yet is the completion of matt wells's staff i know where i'm going to find that news it's on redraidersports.com and chris level got up on my roof and replaced the lights that needed to be replaced because I'm not going to fall off the roof and go full tilt Clark Griswold this Christmas. So uh, There you go. Wise best to choice. you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And there you go with our friend, Chris Level. Yeah, fire up the band. Fire up the band for our guy. Chris Level, appreciate him making time. Such a great guy. I mean, just, what a just such a great guy Chris Level appreciate him making time and uh, appreciate the work that he does there on RedRaiderSports.com we are going to get into a break here and then get in with somebody else who's doing some great work and that's our friend Jay Root at Texas Tribune investigative reporter of TABC I've got some thoughts on the TABC and run on run-ons run that's that's grammatically speaking i have plenty of those but some run-ins which i've also had with the tabc uh if you have as well uh you want to stay tuned just keep on listening right here on the other side of texas and by the way how good are the turnpike troubadours had lunch in the pertinelli's chili to them today so good I practice what I preach here 
I've got them on the case right now. They're reviewing it. Uh, it I can't I can't break any news with you right now, but these are people I use, and you should use them as well. Somebody who I read a lot is Jay Root of the Texas Tribune. When he comes out with something, I just sit down with a grin and sometimes get out my highlighter and uh, read what Jay Root's up to. Jay Root, how you doing, hey. buddy? Good. How are you, sir? We uh, need to give you your proper introduction here on the program, give you a round of applause. I don't know that you've been on this format yet. Have you been on the show with me yet? Um, it seems like I have, but I just I know that we've talked. It's when you've been in Lubbock, but I can't remember if we were on the air or not. Yeah, Ross Ramsey comes on the show each week, as folks know. And uh, Jay, do you have children? I do. I have uh, a 21 year old son and a 23 year old daughter. So way too, you're way too old to name a kid after Ross at this point. Do they call him? Do they call him Uncle Ross? At least give me that. No, not really. Uh, they do know him, though, but everybody knows Ross around here. Well, uh, Ross has become known up here, but if he ever shows up at my house, I'm going to say, hey, kids, this is your Uncle Ross. Mm. And my oldest is going to look at me confused, but the others are just going to go with it and um going to kind of delight in that. Jay, let me tell you a story. I remember being in with a lot of uh, Odessa Permian guys and gals in the late well the mid 90s way too young to drink the TABC bus this party that we're at and what I think now is that you call the TABC I've already queued up this segment so don't worry about orienting people um, the TABC had plenty of comments to make it on that particular night where I hung out by the uh, water heater for like two hours while the TABC cleared out the party. They had plenty of comments to make. But I would think at this point, when the TABC hears from Jay Root, uh, there's no comment. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, we, we, we get along okay. Um, there's some good people over there. Um I feel like even though you can be a hard, you can be a hard-hitting journalist without being nasty or disagreeable. There's really no upside in being nasty. So I always try to treat people uh, with respect, and um, you know, even when I'm even when I'm uh, doing hard-hitting journalism. Yeah. Well, I can tell you from personal experience. There are a lot of 18-year-olds who are rooting for you right now. <laughs> uh, of course, back in March of 2017, you came down on the TABC with a piece where you, I say came, come down, but you just exposed that they were spending tens of thousands of dollars on the taxpayer's dime partying. And now this new piece, which is what I want to get into with you now, uh, tell us, just give listeners an idea. They've read it in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and the Amarillo Globe um, across the state. Your story's been carried on Text Tribune. Tell us what's going on. Who is Specs and why did the TABC come down on them and why did the TABC wind up showing their shorts in the end? Specs Liquor is the largest liquor retailer in Texas. They have I think over 160 permits, I think. Um, Family-owned chain. 
they we wrote about this enforcement case against Fex that landed in the middle, right as we were reporting on all this other stuff where they were going to Hawaii and spending taxpayer dollars and uh, embroiled in this spending controversy that that ultimately led to the departure of of like seven people, including the executive director, licensing director, general counsel, and others. And this story landed about a an administrative uh, court, uh, the, the State Office of Administrative Hearings um, had a case involving the TABC against Specs, and they had all of these allegations against Specs that they were had illegal dealings with wholesalers and were engaged in, in uh, illegal marketing practices, all kinds of, you know, the archaic liquor code is, is easy to run afoul of, and and it was so serious that when the administrative law judges totaled up all the fines, that you're going to think I'm making this up, but when they totaled up all the fines that they wanted to levy against Specs, it added up to $713 million, three-quarters of a billion dollars, basically. Um, obviously, the company never could have paid that, and uh, they also wanted to yank all their permits and and we're using a part of the code that allows the TABC to shut down any business over health and safety concerns. And the lawyer, the lawyer says that was never alleged that there were any kind of health or safety concerns. It was all this hyper-technical violations of the archaic liquor code. But that came out. It, it created created this big stink because it was really seen as as in a state that's supposed to that that, that does pride itself on. Uh, you know, free market capitalism. We have this these regulations that are so um, onerous um, that it it became kind of a symbol of, of of regulators run amok. And and so fast forward to my story this week, and it's the law. It's finally this federal lawsuit that I heard was coming for a while. Because Specs is like, look, you know, you can't do this and get away with it. We spent over a million dollars in legal fees fighting this. You know, we're not going to take this lying down. And they filed a federal lawsuit, and the state says they can't be sued because they're they have sovereign immunity because they're a governmental entity, and that's pretty much where it stands. Yeah, you're you're we're broadcasting from Lubbock, Texas, where <clears throat> Mike Leach has uh, tried over and over again to sue Texas Tech for. What he thought was wrongful termination and wants his money and uh, can't sue tech. But it would make sense to a lot of folks at least listening that TABC would be in those same ranks. Um, do you do you believe that Specs has a case going forward? That How much has Specs sued for? They didn't say how much they sued for, but they they. they, they are trying to I do know that they they have told me that they've spent over a million dollars on legal fees okay fighting the enforcement action and they're also claiming lost profit um, because they weren't allowed to expand during this time it's a very competitive market with total wines moving into Texas um, and so um, we don't really know how much it is but it's definitely north of a million dollars I'm sure it would it, it would be several million dollars Um the the problem is it's hard to sue a, a governmental agency because they do have sovereign immunity. But what the lawyers are saying for specs is that you can't 
you know, you can you can give up your sovereign immunity if you meet certain conditions, and they claim those conditions have been met, and that's pretty much where it's playing out. I think that if the judge doesn't throw it out, there there would probably be some pressure to settle because I'm not sure they want to go in and give a bunch of depositions on this. Okay. So they would settle. So you think it could be... Well, I don't know if they would or not, but I think that there would be pressure to settle because, you know, who wants to have people going in and and saying, you know, it could could be embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, Deposition's always embarrassing. Uh, Jay Root, uh, speaking of embarrassing, if you ever call me and say, hey, I've got some questions to ask you, uh, you'll forgive me on the embarrassing note if I just hang up the phone because uh, <laughs> I don't I don't want to take those calls from you Jay Root uh tell me this you mentioned earlier archaic liquor laws what do you mean by that and what do you think should be done well I'll give you an example Texas is the only state in the country that does not allow publicly traded corporations to own liquor stores so um and and, and you, you can't have um, uh, you, know, you you basically have to be a, it, pretty much like a mom a mom and pop. But Specs has become a big uh, retailer, a huge retailer, because of another arcane provision that allows blood literally says blood relatives, close blood relatives, can pierce this five permit cap. That they have so it's very complicated well, well, what's the five permit cap well you're supposed to only have five permits if you're a liquor store but a lot of them have more than five permits because they have blood relatives hmm. that get more permits and then you can bust the cap and have like you know specs has a over a, over 150 um and so uh and another one that's very very easy to understand it, it been people who have have shopped out in that socialist republic of California. Uh, that that's the way the Texas politicians like to describe California is. But they have a lot more freedom out there when it comes to buy. You can buy uh, a bottle of liquor at, a, at at Walmart or at Costco out there. I've had Costco tequila. Um, that you know, like you know, have they own they have their own brand, you know, hmm. um, and uh you you know it, it's it's similar with the car deal that you and I have talked about like Tesla's I mean Texas doesn't allow that so the the, the alcohol code in Texas um is is not it, it's very been been very slow to modernize there are a lot of other states but that have why? much more that have much more freedom in their in, in their ability for people to to uh to do things you can't do here for like, like for another one, well, restaurants can own wineries under certain conditions in uh, in uh, California, and they can't here, basically. Yeah, but, but for listeners, let's get through, let's dig a little bit deeper into archaic, because I think that um, plenty of listeners like to um, oh, talk dry and drink wet shall we say uh you know again you're you're on the airways in lubbock where we did just that we uh talked dry and drank wet for 80 years before we allowed packaged alcohol sales in the city um but with regards to alcohol in you know fifth fifth member 
generations and this that and the other uh whenever you mention california what does california do about issues like this jay well they do allow they do allow um you to buy liquor before noon and before noon on sundays and sundays as a whole i'm not sure about that but i do know that that um you can buy uh you, you you know uh you can buy you can buy a bottle of booze at Costco in California, and you can't in Texas. Is um, that because of uh, what kind? Of, so whenever I see a law, I always have to ask my what everyone always asks themselves: follow the money. Is that because interests have made it that way over time? People saying, "Listen, we didn't have the opportunity to buy in here um, to do this at a at a big grocery store chain. Why should anybody else?" Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like anything else. I mean, what ends up uh, happening is that the people who benefit from the law, like Specs, frankly, and like uh, the the uh, um, the uh, all well all of the package stores, they don't want competition from Walmart. And I understand that. I mean, if I were on their side, I mean, and I were in that business, maybe I would try to go to the legislature and keep things just the way they are. But the consumers. And there's there's over 30 states now that allow this. More states allow it than don't allow it. So we're in, we're we're increasingly becoming an outlier there. Um, but in, in in more states than not, you can buy at at at, at big retail outlets like that. Um, I mean, why you know? Look, the 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 Walmarting of America is complete now. Okay, I mean. I remember in my hometown of Liberty, Texas, when Walmart came in, and it it, it definitely impacted business. I don't and I don't remember the their, Main Street you know, being, of Liberty. I'm sure. Yeah, the Main Street suffered from that, as as a lot of others did. It was competition, and um, uh, you know, but I mean, you know, now that's all right. That's 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 water under the bridge. Why can't I get a bottle of vodka at Walmart? Are you waiting for me to respond? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. I am. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I, on one hand, and just fight me back on this. I think that it's just a matter of how shall I say it? Pushing for personal responsibility that maybe you shouldn't like just because you're a consumer. Me and I'm being devil's advocate here, but just sure. because you're a consumer doesn't mean that you should be able to buy vodka at three o'clock in the morning on saturday night because that could have social consequences maybe that's maybe that's what we have in mind if not for well big i'm interest not talking on the other about side. what hour you can buy it at i mean you can't buy it um no you're saying in, not in stores not at all yeah, i mean you would well you wouldn't be able to buy it past you, you could keep the hours on, on there if you wanted to um if it if it's i'd if it's about you know discouraging consumption of alcohol, that's that's I think in a different category than saying that a privately owned corporation can own liquor store permits, but a publicly owned corporation can't. Hmm. Does that sound like economic freedom to you? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you caught I mean, me. Seriously. You caught me on that one, Jay. I mean. For all the hell we raise in Texas politics about the Californication of things, I, I think that uh, you make a strong and steady point there. 
Well, and, and again, you know, there's another one. I, I wrote a story a while back about the Salt Lake. Um, some of your listeners may, if they've been to Austin, may have eaten at the Salt Lake Barbecue um, in uh, Driftwood, Texas, um, which is right outside Austin. It's beautiful out there. And they want they have they have a uh, they have vineyards out there. It's a great place to grow grapes. Apparently, uh, who knew the soil is great for it. And um, you know they want to create a little Napa Valley out there. But in order to help economically, uh, the Salt Lake wants to be able to sell their wine. But they if you have a, if when you have liquor permit, you can't sell wine. You, you you know you can't if you have a you know. A, uh, lick, a, a permit to sell uh, liquor in a restaurant, then you can't you can't have a winery because you're in a different tier. Mm-hmm. It's the, the the three tier system, and, and and you know which basically is the distribution, the production, and the retail sale of liquor must stay in their separate silos and cannot intermingle. So you can't commingle. You can't. Oh, I know. I mean, I... yeah. If you if you make booze, you can't sell it. If you sell booze, you can't make it. If you distribute, and, yeah, that's... It, you can't do either to either of the other two. And so you, everybody has to stay and stay in their lane. And actually, with liquors, there's actually a four tier system when it comes to wow. hard liquor because the distributors have to be the package stores. Uh, so tell me, tell me mean, how that goes. People ask me all the time if I'm going to run for office, and I can't run for office at this point, Jay, because I've made the governor mad on several accounts, and I've also gone after the beer distributors because I wrote a piece on behalf, not on behalf, but because I see it as fair as fair. I, I said, listen, um, uh, you've got three tiers in Texas alcohol, and if I were, and I likened it to Mr. Burns in Prohibition. You could go with producing, you could go with distributing, or you could go with retail. If you're Mr. Burns, what do you go with? You go with distributing, and uh, you begin to drive the other two tiers. That made the distributors awfully mad. Another cardinal sin of running for office in Texas. So uh, I've made them mad, and you just made the case yourself. that, And I hope you appreciate my analogy there, that it's like Mr. Burns decided which of the three tiers does he want in on, to capitalize and distributing seems to be the way well the distributor the beer distributors in particular are extremely powerful you know greg abbott's treasurer john now is has the budweiser distributorship in houston and i think in san antonio and talk about a law that is is favorable to distribute distribution interest The, the fair dealing act the beer Fair Dealing Act basically says when you have a contract for, when you have a permit to distribute, say, Budweiser, which is a very popular brand, um, it's kind of like a license to print money because Budweiser can't ever break up with you unless you don't show up to work every day. Um, Once you have the, you have to be really careful as as a beer uh, manufacturer, beer maker, brewer, a brewery, uh, who you go with as a beer distributor because you're stuck with for the rest of your life, basically. And nobody would, why would anyone ever give, you know, I mean, they're going to sell them for a lot of money to someone 
or just hold on to them and pass them along to their heirs to, to have these permits because um, they're worth a lot of money. They're worth a lot of money. I mean, they're extremely active politically, the beer distributors are. Now, their argument is that, um, you know, this was well thought out by the, the after prohibition and it, it, it keeps, uh, you know, whether it's underage drinking or whatever it is, this is a dangerous product, has to be. The uh, brown water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um, there, there are a lot of reasons why they say that this needs to happen. But um, I can tell you that, um, you know, it's basically it, 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 the, the people who, uh, the, the critics of it basically say, well, you know, I thought we were supposed to be like a free market economy here in Texas. What's the deal? Yeah. Well, listen, uh, Jay, as you follow up, and you get after these guys who scared me to death in a water closet whenever I was 18, maybe 17. Um, I appreciate you uh, and your contributions there at the Text Tribune. Is We love the Text Tribune here, and uh, hope that you'll come back on soon, bud. I absolutely will. All right. Uh, thank you, Jay Root. You can find him on Twitter at ByJRoot. Have a good evening, buddy. You too, buddy. All right, uh, get out with Jay and get in with uh, the rest. It's some Robert O'Keefe takes you in. Some anonymous mailbag to get in as we come back in. Here about uh, 90 seconds from now, maybe two minutes. Stick with us right here on the other side of Texas. Today or tomorrow or the next day, whenever you can, LubbockFileRoom.com. Want to pick up where I began the program? Very likely special guest tomorrow. You're going to enjoy the program. Um, very likely. Waiting on confirmation. May may have to bow out, but I hope that uh, he comes in. You're going to enjoy his perspective last night. I want to do anonymous mailbag, but uh, I got a couple of emails about this, but I'd rather talk to you about some face-to-face encounters. Last night, we ended the program 545. Uh, We broadcast for an hour, sometimes over an hour, like right now. And um, some folks at the game not happy that they couldn't listen to the program on the way to the game said, hey, what happened to the program? Why'd you cut it short? And it's because... We wanted to take the kids. We got six tickets, lower bowl, bought in early, and uh, are really enjoying that. It's a big thing at the Leeson Ponderosa for Texas Tech basketball. Uh, Some folks did not appreciate it. So here's my solemn vow to you. From now on, I will pre-record a show on a weeknight, because we run weekdays here, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Whenever I know that I'm going to leave the program early, I will pre-record early. And I got this, I'm telling you. Last night, I went to the concession stand, ran across three people on the way. All three gently, kindly said with that West Texas grin, Hey, I listened to your show tonight and uh, didn't hear you. Um, What's going on? Folks, listen, I've learned the lesson We'll pre-record. We'll do it for an hour if you're listening live on the radio. That's what we'll do from here on out. Uh, but for now, i got to get home. Actually, I'm not getting home. It's Christmas season. 
so there's like a performance every other night at the school and I've got four little ones which means that I'm there most of the time so I'm going to get to the school and uh, watch a Christmas performance and then uh, get home to an above average dinner and a great family hope that you have the same for J Root for Chris Level appreciate you addition you listening to this edition of the program looking forward to being with you in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and the Amarillo Globe News in the near future that's the breaking news here on the show if you're just tuning in I'll be there with you uh Sundays there in the paper starting out every other Sunday and going from there and just glad that you like listening to some original content and glad to rave on with you buddy keep on raving on see you tomorrow right here on the other side of texas Step over it.